Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Joshua. Hello, friends and faithful listeners. Today, we are going to be discussing Joshua chapter 15, and we're going to talk about the marriage of first cousins and whether or not that in scripture is considered to be incest. We're going to talk about that as well as the borders of Judah and this interesting little story that is stuck right in the middle of this entire chapter. So that's coming up today here on the podcast. But before I start, I want to say I am sorry for lying to you guys yesterday. Yesterday, we discussed Jesus's resurrection and the Shroud of Turin. And I mentioned that we're going to talk more about Mary Magdalene on Tuesday. But I lied to you because I'm not going to talk about Mary Magdalene's story on Tuesday because I'm not going to be doing an episode on Tuesday because it is the 4th of July. So I'm going to take that day off from the podcast and I'm not going to have a regular scheduled episode and I hope you guys enjoy your 4th of July celebrations. But of course, I'm going to have an episode today and on Monday, but no New Testament episode until next Thursday. So anyway, let's go ahead and read Joshua chapter 15. And as you faithful listeners very well know, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version of the Bible, the version that I always read out of. So let's go ahead and read this together as you grab your cup of coffee with me this morning. The lot for the tribe of the children of Judah, according to their families, was to the border of Edom, even to the wilderness of Zin southward at the uttermost part of the south. Their south border was from the uttermost part of the Salt Sea, from the bay that looks southward. And it went out southward of the ascent of Akrabim, and passed along to Zin, and went up by the south of Kadesh Barnea, and passed along by Hezron, went up to Adder, and turned toward Karka. And it passed along to Asmon, went out at the brook of Egypt, and the border ended at the sea. This shall be your south border. The east border was the Salt Sea, even to the end of the Jordan. The border of the north quarter was from the bay of the sea at the end of the Jordan. The border went up to Beth Hogla and passed along by the north of Beth Areba. To the border went up to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. The border went up to Debir from the valley of Acre and so northward, looking toward Gilgal, that faces the ascent of Adumim, which is on the south side of the river. The border passed along to the waters of En Shemesh and ended at En Rogel. The border went up by the valley of the son of Hinnom to the side of the Jebusite, also called Jerusalem, southward. And the border went up to the top of the mountain that lies before the valley of Hinnom westward, which is at the farthest part of the valley of Rephium northward. The border extended from the top of the mountain to the spring of the waters of Nephtoah and went out to the cities of Mount Ephron. And the border extended to Bela, also called Kiriath-Jerim. And the border turned about from Bala westward to Mount Seir and passed along to the side of Mount Jerim, also called Chesalon, on the north and went down to Beth Shemesh and passed along by Tinma, and the border went out from the side of the Ekron northward, and the border extended to Shekaron, and passed along to Mount Bala, and went out at Jibneel. And the goings out of the border were at the sea. The west border was to the shore of the great sea. This is the border of the children of Judah according to their families. He gave to Caleb the son of Jephunneh a portion among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of Yahweh, to Joshua, even Kiriath Arba, named after the father of Anak, also called Hebron. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahiman, 
and Talami, the children of Anak. He went up against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir before was Kiriath Safer. Caleb said, He who strikes Kiriath Safer and takes it, to him I will give Aksa my daughter as wife. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa his daughter as wife. She had him ask her father for a field. She got off her donkey, and Caleb said, What do you want? She said, Give me a blessing. Because you have set me in the land of the south, give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. All right, faithful listeners, I'm going to stop reading right there because there's a whole lot of very interesting names coming up for another 20 verses. And if I'm being honest, actually another 40 verses. Yeah. And I'm not going to read all those names. The the verses are very small, very short verses. But basically, after that, after that story of Caleb's daughter, it goes into all the different cities. And so there are a lot of cities. So I'll go over those at the end. But first, I want to talk about verses 1 through 12 before we get into the story of Caleb and Caleb's daughter. So it says that Judah got their inheritance. And remember that none of these cities, none of this area yet was even taken by Israel, I don't believe. But yet God still had Joshua go ahead and give the land away as an inheritance because that was a faith test. God was going to help the Israelites take this land. Like God was going to do it. He was going to help the tribe of Judah take all of this land. And it is interesting that Judah gets to go first. I'm going to guess because Judah was the largest tribe. And I actually have a little map right here that I found. And it shows all the borders of Judah when Judah was first given its allotment. Now, it mentions that the entire eastern border was the Salt Sea. However, we have a different name for that sea now. It's called the Dead Sea. That is what we call it because everything in the Dead Sea is dead because it is so salty. Everything drains into the Dead Sea. It's just a very salty and dead sea, basically. And so basically the entire eastern border was the Dead Sea of Judah specifically. And then it kind of like darts out at the bottom and sort of goes like westward and really southward into the wilderness of Zin. And I believe the wilderness of Zin was actually where uh, John the Baptist spent a good portion of his time was in that wilderness. And that's where he lived was the wilderness of Zin. I'm pretty sure. So Judah was definitely the southmost area of Israel. It had the most southward land. Then it kind of goes back up and cuts off at the top where Dan and Benjamin would be. And Benjamin had the city of Jerusalem in its tribe, as well as the city of Jericho. And the tribe of Judah kind of cuts off right there, right below the city of Jerusalem. And Benjamin would have been at the top of Judah as well as Dan. So Judah had a good portion of land, a very big portion of land. And notice how it's broken up into the different families here. It says that when the lots were given, that it was given according to all the families that were in the tribe of Judah. And so each family got like a different portion of it is kind of what it sounds like here. And so verses 1 through 12 talk about just all the borders of Judah and everything that all these families were able to receive, this good hunk of land 
of Judah. So after it goes into the borders of Judah, the tribe of Judah, it talks about one specific family here. Once again, Caleb is mentioned. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And Caleb was given an area called Hebron, which was originally called Anak because the Canaanites who lived in the area of Hebron were very mighty people. And the guy who was like the tribe leader of the Canaanites, he was the mightiest warrior in that area. His name was Anak. And so that city was originally called Anak because of this mighty warrior who controlled everything, basically. But Caleb went and asked Joshua, hey, I want that area. Joshua gives it to him because God had said to Joshua that Caleb was going to receive that area. And so Caleb, at 85 years old, goes and drives out the three sons of Anak. So it sounds like Anak was already dead at this point, possibly. But his sons had taken over. And the three sons were named Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. And these were the three sons of Anak. And Caleb, at 85 years old, with whoever went with him, literally waged war against these three very powerful sons and wins. And then he renames that city Hebron instead of Anak, which Hebron, we found out, means teaming up with. And Caleb said that he was going to team up with God to take that area, even though Caleb was old. Even though he was 85 years old, he still had strength and he believed that God could help him take that area. So he renames it Hebron. So then after this, after he defeats these three kids, it says he goes up against the inhabitants of Debir. Now, what's interesting about this is Debir had already been taken by Joshua. It was one of the cities that Joshua supposedly had taken, but it sounds like the Canaanites were able to go back into that area somehow and infiltrated all over again. Debir was actually, if you look at the map again, it was very close to Hebron. And so Caleb wanted to take Debir as well, I would guess for safety reasons, not to mention that it belonged to Judah and God was going to give Debir to Judah. And I believe it's mentioned in Joshua 10. Remember when the sun stood still in the sky? It's that chapter that one of the cities Joshua struck during that time was actually Debir. And Joshua was able to take that entire city. But yeah, so now all of a sudden in Joshua 15, Debir is once again infiltrated. And this would have been years after, don't forget. So it could have been that when Israel went and attacked other areas, that the Canaanites kind of like slipped back into the city of Debir and started living there again and tried to take the city again. That's what I would guess happened because Israel was very busy with all of the conquests that they were doing. I mean, how many kings did Joshua defeat? 30 something, 33 kings, I think it was. I mean, that's a ton of kings in such a short period of time. Israel was very busy, and so was Joshua. So Debir, it says, had some people living in that area again. But at this time, it actually says that it was also named Kiriath Safer. And it ended up getting renamed Debir at some point in time in Joshua's lifetime. So Caleb says, he who strikes Kiriath Safer, or Debir, again, and takes it, to him I will give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. I'm going to be really honest. I had a very hard time with the name Aksa, okay? Aksa is not 
a name I've ever heard before. Not to mention, it's kind of weird for the English language, I feel like. It doesn't slip off the tongue very well. Oxa. And so when I first said it, obviously I deleted that part of this podcast because uh, it was not good. I definitely said a swear word when I first pronounced it. (laughs) And so I had to delete that part out. But I think it's pronounced Oxa. So we're going to go with Oxa. That was Caleb's daughter's name, was Oxa. So he says, anybody who strikes De Beer once again and takes it, I'm going to give my daughter Oxa to be that person's wife. So it says that this man named Othniel, the son of Kenez, the brother of Caleb, took it. Okay, so... Before everybody screams that this is a terrible thing that Caleb could have done, that this was so mean for Caleb to give up his daughter in this way, let me let me ask you guys a question. How many of your husbands have gone and taken an entire city to have your hand in marriage? None of you. <laughs> this was actually a very smart thing for Caleb to do because this shows enthusiasm in this young man. It shows hard work. It shows patriotism. It shows belief and trust in God. So Caleb had a really good idea here, actually, that his daughter would be married to a person of high moral character, somebody who was unafraid to go up against these people in Debir when God was giving that city to the Israelites Somebody who had a high moral character and who was willing to do this for Caleb's daughter, Oxa. And what's interesting is it's actually true. Othniel did have high moral character. He ended up being the first judge of Israel. So after Joshua died, Othniel became the first judge and ended up saving all of Israel. And he's mentioned very briefly in scripture. You would you would totally brush over it any other time, but it shows that Othniel had a high moral character. And it actually turns out also that he was Caleb's nephew. So this made me question. I was like, is there a law in the Old Testament that says that you can't marry a first cousin because Oxa and Othniel would have been cousins, first cousins. And so I looked this up and it turns out there is no law in the Old Testament that prohibits first cousins marrying each other. There's actually no law about it. There are laws for other family members, like you can't marry your sister, you can't marry your aunt, you can't marry your uncle, you can't uh, can't marry your father-in-law. Like there's a lot of laws regarding that, but there was no law for first cousins. So this makes me think actually that Caleb might've had his eyes sort of set on Othniel for being his daughter's potential husband anyway. And this was almost like a test he did specifically for Othniel, possibly, to see where like Othniel's heart was for all of this. And maybe, just maybe, Othniel already kind of had a crush on Oxa. This sort of sounds like a very mutual thing to me because after Oxa and Othniel are married, here's what it says. Aksa wanted her husband, Othniel, to actually ask Caleb for more land because it seems to me that Caleb had no sons of his own. And so Aksa would have been allowed to have land 
as one of the daughters of Caleb. And it says that one day she asked her husband, Othniel, to ask Caleb if they could have another field. A lot of people speculate that there wasn't enough water on the land that Caleb gave them. And so possibly Oxa and Othniel needed more land. But because this was a gift and it was a blessing, they didn't want to be rude in asking Caleb for more land. And so you can see that she tries to like pawn it off on her husband. She's like, hey, Othniel, can you go ask my dad if you'll get... <laughs> if he'll give us more land with more water on it. And I don't know what ends up happening. Either he says no, or Caleb wanted to hear the request from his own daughter. But either way, she ends up getting off of her donkey, which was a sign of respect, by the way, for her father, Caleb. She gets off the donkey. And so Caleb asks, what do you want? And she says, give me a blessing. So that even that right there, it's not a demand that she's making. She's asking for a blessing because everything that Caleb already gave her and Othniel in their marriage was already a blessing. Other versions will translate it as give me a special blessing or please give me a special blessing because this was not disrespectful by any means. She says, give me a blessing because you have set me in the land of the south. Give me also springs of water. And so that's probably why she needed this water, why she was asking for this. And it was a very logical thing to ask for. And don't forget, because the more south you get, the closer you get to that wilderness of Zin that I was talking to you about at the beginning, where John the Baptist did a lot of his stuff, it's very likely that there potentially wasn't a ton of water in the area that Caleb uh, allotted to her. And so she says, give me a blessing because you have set me in the land of the south. Give me also the springs of water. And so Caleb agrees with her and he gives her the upper springs and the lower springs. So he gives her all of this as a blessing. And I think one of the reasons this is mentioned in scripture is because it shows that Caleb really had a love and a care for his daughter and that women are valuable and women are able to ask requests of their fathers, and they're able to ask for things. Even Othniel himself didn't feel comfortable asking Caleb for this for whatever reason. Or he says to his wife, you know, you do it because it's going to be even more impactful if it comes from you. And so this little story right here stuck in the middle of all of this just shows the care that Caleb had for his daughter and the care that scripture gives to highlight a story like this from this young woman, Aksa. So anyway, he gave, he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And now in verses 20 through 63, it mentions all these different names, all these different cities. So verses 20 through 32 mention 29 cities along with all of their villages. And if you keep looking through, you're going to see all these different cities that were given to these different families of Judah and just the riches that Judah was able to encounter with all of these, these uh, cities and all of these villages that were in the land of Judah. But something that really caught my eye as I was reading the Blue Letter Bible commentary by Matthew Henry, and he points out something actually really interesting is that Bethlehem is not listed here 
as one of the uh, as one of the cities and villages. And Bethlehem nowadays we think of as one of the greatest cities because it's where Jesus was born. And if you look on the map that I was mentioning to you guys earlier, you're going to see that Bethlehem is in fact on the map. But it's not even on the map here in Joshua chapter 15 because it was not considered to be like a good village. In fact, in Scripture, it was actually mentioned that Bethlehem was the least of all the villages, and that's why Jesus was going to be born there. Jesus was going to be born with very humble backgrounds. And so that's why Joshua doesn't even mention Bethlehem as one of the cities here, because it was not considered to be a great city at all. It was considered to be like the lowest of all the cities. And yet that's where our Messiah was born. He was born in the tribe of Judah, in the area of Judah, in the smallest little city that's not even mentioned here in Joshua 15. Guys, I'm going to read a nice little response I got from Joshua 5, where I talk about how God appears to Joshua. And this is on Spotify, which, by the way, I just recently realized like a week ago that you can respond to episodes on Spotify. I had absolutely no clue. And so I found this out and I'm like, oh, I have some nice responses from people on Spotify. And so this is from an episode I did about a month ago, Joshua 5, 10 through 15. And SP Brindisi, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that, says, I really enjoy listening to you almost every evening as I go to sleep. And that is very nice. Thank you so much for that comment. I have heard that my voice is very soothing. (laughs) Some people cannot listen to it on their drive into work. I've had actually multiple people say that. They say that it's too sleepy, that uh, they can't listen to me in the morning because they will fall asleep. And I can kind of understand that because when I was working at the factory, I listened to the entire Bible from front to back except I could not listen to the Psalms while I was working because the Psalms were just so gentle and so soothing and they had nice music playing in the background. So I couldn't listen to the to the Psalms while I was working. But I am very thankful that you are listening to the podcast and that my soothing voice is putting you to sleep at night. <laughs> Hopefully not during the day, though. Anyway, guys, thanks for your comments. I absolutely love them, and uh, I do read them. And also, I read your emails. If you would like to send me an email and uh, introduce yourself, I do love receiving emails as well. You're going to find all of that linked in the description of the podcast episode. But guys, guess what? My Out of the Mire devotional is actually up on version, ready to go. And so I would love for you guys to join in. If you guys use version and you see the little plans... Just type in out of the mire and you will find my plan on version, and you can join in reading that for free. And I have that linked also on the Facebook page. But friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all on Monday. I'm going to be taking Tuesday off for the 4th of July. But I hope you guys have a really fantastic weekend and that you are blessed. Happy listening and God bless. <laughs>